What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Birdie here, and in this episode, you are going to learn how to use audio content to grow your brand. There's been a lot of talk about YouTube and blogging, which those are great in their own rights, but audio is a constantly growing segment that a lot of businesses do tend to overlook. So our guest who joins us today, he has been the creative director, music composer, and or producer of content for radio, TV, film, podcasts, audiobooks, and multimedia for quite a while. He's been doing all of those at the same time or some of them time to time, but he has a lot of experience in the audio space. In fact, he created the Audivita Studio to help companies, publishers, entrepreneurs, influencers, and thought leaders to grow their brands and businesses through podcasting, audiobooks, video, and internet radio. So if there's a guy who knows how can we use audio content to grow our brands, it is none other than David Wolf. David, welcome to the show. Mark, great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. David, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. Audio content, I mentioned a little earlier, hidden not hidden opportunity, but definitely overlooked. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering for people what like how do we get into this would you recommend starting with a podcast with an audiobook or something else well uh yeah so the choice between podcasts and audiobooks is largely to my in my view is a question of strategic preference and strategic relevancy to what you're trying to do what is the audio uh, that you're going to produce going to produce for your you your brand your business your personal brand etc so for certainly authors who are publishing or soon to publish a manuscript, um, the audiobook market has been exploding and our business has been really growing and benefiting from that uh, market because, uh, you know, 28% year over year for the last five years. I think like since 2015, it's been growing uh, about that, you know, sort of uh, hockey stick wise, right? So, and even outstripping the ebook, which is crazy, but um, people have a perceived or actual sense that they don't have time to read and sit and read and so they're you know they're walking the dog they're doing the commute thing hopefully more people will be commuting soon again right uh, as we sit together here now um but the, the idea that you can multitask while you're listening is, is really just it's pushing this audio consumption thing so when you ask a question about which you know how to express my brand or what i like to call a voice brand um Podcasting is rhythmically different. It's the, the, the cadence of release is different, where as audiobooks is kind of a once and done cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us as producers, it's different. And for the content generators, it's a different kind of endeavor. It's interesting how David mentions those two differences. I mean, podcasting, I just keep doing the interviews, audiobook, you create it once and then you release it. And with the mm-hmm. audio content, how is it different? to promote that audio content and get visibility versus like a blog post or a video or are there any differences no that's a great well yeah there's probably cross pollination in terms of the techniques you use i mean obviously everything falls into the social media something at some point in this world right so so you may be promoting your episodes of podcasts and there are a few different ways to do that many many different ways to do that and then you may have a release of an audiobook, which again is sort of it's funny it's, it's the rhythm of it is if you there's a release date you know and a lot of times we're timing it out with the ebook or the or the pre-release and then we have to claim the title in order to get it into distribution um let me back up from marketing a little bit the distribution models are 
decidedly different. Um, Audible, Amazon, and iTunes is arguably where 40 to 50% of the audiobook market is sitting, right? So um, we help our clients after we've completed their audio project get their ACX or Authors Republic or find a way account set up. And then we facilitate and help them get it into Audible, Amazon, iTunes, and then there are about 35 other channels. So you're channeling this product, one of maybe three versions, you know, there'll be a print, there'll be an ebook and an audio. You know, if you look at an Amazon author page, you see them all kind of show up like that. And then there's a, a real a little sampler for the audio sampler so people can listen. So it's a kind of a, the, the structure of the market is sort of dictating how you get your presence into the marketplace with that book. Now, like any version of your book, you've got to promote it. So, you know, you know how it is. You've written a lot of books yourself, Mark. The, the fact is, is that the writing the book can be the easiest part of doing this, you know, getting it out to market and pushing it, right? So, um, so in that world, I think doing things like this, appearing on podcasts to talk about the work you do, that's one way to get your audio book or really here, I, I'm going to stop. The fact is that you're really promoting all versions of the book, and then my view is you're giving the consumer a choice about how they want to consume the content, right? So some people prefer to read, some people want to listen, some people do the Kindle, so they'll make that choice. I think of it as just you're promoting your book, and audio is one of those versions. Um, so anyway, back to you. I'd really like to go deeper into the audiobooks because I can relate. You have your Kindle book, you have your paperback, and you have your audiobook. And having those different formats, you want that because some people only read Kindle books, other people only want to, they want the hard copy, and other people only want to listen. So you do want to appease to those multiple formats, but then how do you go about promoting the audiobook differently from the Kindle book? Because I feel like a lot of authors, including myself, will focus on driving people to the Kindle version of the book or maybe even the paperback but then when you choose the audiobook it's like you know it, well it's a real interesting question because um and forgive me if i sound like i'm drinking my own kool-aid we are after all an audio production company no but worries what i will say is that like the whole thing about uh, what i like to call voice brand right you're, so an author will call me and they'll say look I'm gonna, I'm gonna, i'd like to do this audiobook i'm not sure if i should be the voice so I love these conversations. Now for fiction books, which are decidedly different than the kinds of books you seem to be writing and, and others that most of who we work with is in the nonfiction space. But for fiction writers, we have a casting team and we'll go get somebody else's voice to do it because it's gonna have, um, uh, there'll be content in the book that likely requires an actor's chops to really pull it off and do it well. All right, but on the nonfiction side, which is where you and I, I think we live most of the time, the author is their connection to market. It's the voice of their brand. It's the, it's, it's them resonating in their customer's ear is what compels people to trust them and know them and like them, do business with them. And these sorts of books are generally not designed as an end business in and of themselves. They're really designed to help something else happen, some kind of a call to action. So what I would say is use your voice to promote your voice in the book. And so it kind of works both ways. You're, you're reading your own content, you're doing your own, uh, you're voicing your own book, people feel familiarity to you, they feel uh, there's an intimacy just like there is in podcasting to audiobooks, people, it's one listener at a time from one microphone, so there's this, there's this intimacy that happens that really helps bond with your audience one listener at a time. Those things, if you can do those with social, if you can do those with a quick clip from your book, 
uh, sampling, much like already happens on Amazon, you know, this ability to hit the retail sampler and listen to a little bit and see if it's a voice that soothes you and that you want to listen to and that you want to connect with. So using the voice to promote the, vo the audio version seems like it's like strikingly obvious, but um, that would be my, my uh, sense of it uh, rather than reading about the audio book. It seems sort of counterintuitive to me. And I really like what David just said there because the audio creates an extra level of intimacy. Like we could transcribe this. We could turn it into a blog post. I know other podcasters do it for SEO. I don't like to do that right now. It may change in the future. But with the audio elements, you can't skim. One of the things with blog posts is that people skim them and they are even like bloggers. Like it's not like we create a blog post that can't be skimmed. It's like, we kind of give into it and we right. just like create a blog. Like we use our bold fonts. We use our bullet points. We use the things designed. So like, we know you're going to skim, but let's just like make sure you get the important <laughs> pieces out of it. But you can't skim. You could technically fast forward, but then you'd have to wonder where we are in the conversation. And it does create a much more intimate feel, and it can set you up for a lot more sales and more trust because you're hearing it in my voice versus reading it in yours, and that does create a big difference. You know, we've done some books with like sales professionals or leadership guys and and, and women, and and even some books that are more like um, memoirs where you're getting into emotionally sensitive subjects like a toxic family relationships or a really bitter divorce or um, you know, an author telling their story in order to impart knowledge about how to avoid situations with narcissists, for example. Those sorts of books, the emotional content that you hear and feel and that we evoke from the uh, narrator, the author narrator as we're working with them as a production company, that folds into I mean, that connects with audience. Um, now, I, I also had a sales book recently. Uh, Larry Levine wrote a book um, called Selling from the Heart. And he, we did his, and he really, um, you know, is, uh, we deal with a range of performance capability and talent with the authors that we work with. Not everybody's naturally designed for this, um, but, but he was an example. Larry was an example of someone who really did understand how to connect, make it conversational, which is something we kind of naturally do in podcasting, but when you're reading a manuscript, it's hard to bring that in. It's hard to make it feel real and like you're talking to someone, which is really how you connect. So um, it's fascinating, this, this idea you talked about where you are controlling the rhythm and the pace and the velocity of the content in a way that if it's a blog or if it's someone reading a Kindle, they can stop and yep. look around and skip around and sort of do the edit. And, um, you know, so there's pros and cons to both. Uh, for those of us that like to read visually more, I mean, there's more room for you to hear your own voice. And sometimes some people just prefer to, to experience content that way. So there's some subjectivity to this for sure, Mark. And I do want to go into the audiobooks a little more. I know you mentioned ACX. It's ACX, yeah. iTunes. Uh, at ACX, that's how you get on Audible for people who don't know. But yeah. uh, that's like the big majority of the market. Do you right. recommend people go for that agreement you make with Audible, with ACX, where you're only allowed to get on Audible in their places? Or do you expand into the other distribution methods for a book, even though you may not receive as much per Audible sale? I love that uh, question. So a lot of the authors we work with, I mean, I telegraphed this a little bit earlier in this segment, 
a lot of the authors we work with are not writing the book to make money. They're writing the book to um, serve their brand, their business, their, some back-end business strategy that it's serving. And so the argument there is being as many places as possible. So for those authors who are less concerned about unit sales and it's like staring at that ROI, but understand the, the bigger ROI is what happens with, with uh, as a result of the book they write, um, I'd say go broad. Do, you know, ACX represents Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. Those three are tied to the ACX platform. So we'll set them up and you'll have 40% or 50, somewhere between 40 and 50% of the total market in theory. And, and, uh, and then we'll set you up on a site like Authors Republic where now you've got another 30 or 35 kind of out the long tail types of niche uh, environments that you can sell, including university and public libraries, which is fascinating too. So some of this is about what the content is. Some of this is about the question about how important is unit sales and actually making money. Um, because when you go, um, so there's a little complexity to this. I'll try to keep it simple. And if anyone has questions, they can always reach out to me at autobeta.com. But the, the, um, uh, um, if you go exclusive, you'll only be on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. It's a seven-year deal. And your royalties will be at 40% of sales. Uh, if you go non-exclusive, that opens the ability for you to sell it on these other 35 and your, your royalties drop down to 25% of sales. And, uh, but you have more flexibility. You can even sell it from your own website. There's a really cool app we use uh, called Awesome to do that, where it dispenses you know, the audiobooks in the way they need to be uh, delivered to market. So I hope I answered your question uh, in a useful way. I, I really think it's good to think based on each author, but also to think about the goal of your book. If your goal is you just want the royalties, then maybe it makes sense to do the ACX option. Uh, if you are more focused on just getting it into the hands of as many people as possible than the uh, non-contract. So you could still publish on ACX, but you don't go into that. I think it's a seven-year contract that they make you go through to make sure you're only publishing your audiobook on their platform. Now, the audiobook and podcast will go podcasts also. The big strength, I mentioned it again, you know, that conversation factor and it's easier to get people to transition into call to actions. The only issue with audio is so I could say something like go to contentmarketingplaza.com in the audio. We can throw show notes, which we do, but that doesn't mean people go to the show notes, especially for an audio book where show notes are non-existent versus a blog post where you could hyperlink it. So how do you bring up the call to actions in audio content and then get people to easily proceed with those call to actions? Well, it's interesting. The call to actions, they, they're easier to do in podcasts as you have described. And I agree with that. And the audiobook environment, I mean, you're reading a manuscript and um, you really do need to do it indirectly because there's no way to audio audio-wise link, right? So you've got to either say the URL, which is generally fairly cumbersome, but we do it. We have authors that either have call to actions, which we're talking about here, or they have graphic elements or charts or something that they mm, want to that's, that's visual. We, we, what we do is we, we suggest that they say, just go to that URL. So mm. now at least we're driving traffic to their website as opposed to just leaving it as content standalone without a call to action or without some 
So if you send listeners of an audiobook to a landing page with an assessment, let's say if you're a leadership person or you're, or you're a consultant of some type, and that's your first step in the engagement, um, that could be really effective. So, so in other words, to take the assessment for this stuff that I just talked about, go to blah, blah, blah.com forward slash assessment, you know, that sort of thing drives people to your website and hopefully drives them to do something that you'd like them to do. So that would be my sort of the simple thought about that. It is definitely harder and less direct um, with audio. There's no question about that because you can't click a voice. So. And I really like how you say for the graphics to go to this link because part of it is you're in the middle of the audiobook, so you don't really want to pause it. Or you're in the middle of the podcast, and you don't really want to pause it to go somewhere else. But if you do mention the link, and it is an important resource that continues the conversation, and if you do also mention it at the end, whether the end of a podcast episode or at the end of the chapter of the audiobook, then it can help with getting people to go to those different links and then who knows how you get them on your email list afterwards just have some kind of opt-in in place but the yeah. conversation you have with the audio content really does bring it to a next level and will make people want to do more research on you as well i think so i think back pointing to the intimacy you talking to one person at a time there's a connection that you're making like we do in, in any audio podcast, and certainly as a part of that as well, that, that I, the psychology of it is very intimate, and it just causes a, a level of trust that, uh, that that is the advantage to audio, but yet we pointed to some, some lesser, you know, um, the difficulty of the direct click. So, you know, there's pluses and cons to everything, but um, I think you hit it on the head. And audio content, as David mentioned towards the very beginning, it is something that is rapidly accelerated. I believe you said 28% year over year for audiobooks. And Isn't that crazy? Yeah. With podcasts also, I feel like people have heard podcasting as a thing for a while. There's barely a million of them right now versus the billions of blogs and definitely millions upon millions of YouTube channels. So now is a really excellent time to jump in. David and his team certainly do help people who want to jump into the audio space. So for people who want to learn more about you and even go into a deeper business relationship with you, where do we go? Audivita.com, A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com is the website. And uh, that's the best place you can reach out to me through the website. Probably the simplest way to do it. And uh, you know, we've got, I'm so blessed with my team. I've got a virtual team of about a dozen people, uh, some recording producers, some editors, and, and some that cut video as well, because we do video trailers and some social video to help promote our uh, clients' work. So thank you for, uh, for, for that. My pleasure. We will have that link down in the show notes for anyone who wants to check out David and his work. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Mark.